was thinking this week it was 1999 that some of us, Don, there was a bunch of us, uh, Rob, drove down to uh, a resort in North Georgia called Gold Creek Resort for a what was then a men's conference. Um, that, by the way, was the precursor to what is now the Gatlinburg Conference. 2000, it was moved to Gatlinburg and became co-ed. And don't be offended, ladies. The room we were meeting in in Gold Creek, we couldn't have put another person in that room. <laughs> we, we were like this. It was packed in like sardines. But, uh, but at that meeting, I met Ron Gray. And uh, he had just spoken at uh, a church that my oldest brother and his family attended in Panama City, Florida. And so I knew who he was. And at that time, I think, that, I don't know why they took your picture out, but they used to have his picture in, in one-to-one magazine all the time. You had to get rid of you and Jim. You and Jim both, I got your picture out of there. Uh, but I met Ron, and we connected and and uh, and had a lot in common. Of course, since then, we, since then, we found out a whole lot we had in common. He grew up in Tallahassee. I grew up in Panama City. We're about the same age. We were at same, we were at sporting events together unawares when we were kids in the same gymnasiums. And, and, uh, even this weekend, we've been talking about the, the connections that we've had down through the years and didn't even know it. Um, you know, a guy who used to be a pastor here in Lebanon, a guy named Rick Sink found out he was headed this way. Rick and his wife live in Gulf Shores now. He sent him a message, say, hey, Larry Granger from Rick Sink in Gulf Shores, Alabama. So it's just, it continues on. So we've always had this connection. But the main connection that we've had is that Ron is a man of the Word of God, besides the fact that we share a pastor. Brother Charles is his pastor as well, Brother Charles Simpson. Uh, but, but he's a man of the Word. And every time that Ron has come to Abundant Life Church, which has been, I think it was shortly after that in 1999. Uh, I didn't become the pastor here until 2001, so it probably was after that. But Ron has come every year to Abundant Life Church uh, and shared the word. But every time he comes, he's always got a word for us. Uh, I remember one of the early one of the early times Ron came and spoke. Darren Manning grabbed me out in the foyer. He said, "You got to have that guy back again." <laughs> well, Darren, he's back. <laughs> And uh, Ron's just a friend uh, of Abundant Life, and he's a friend of many of you. And I'll let him tell you a little bit about what he does and where he goes, uh, because some of you don't know who Ronald Gray is. But you can go to his website, ronaldgrayministries.org. By the way, that's Jack Turner in the picture, another one of our good friends. Um, but ronaldgrayministries.org and find out more about him. But let's welcome the man of God who has the Word of God for us today, Ronald Gray. Good morning. How's Abundant Life doing today? Well, for years, people started proclaiming the church has left the building, and we truly have now, haven't we? Uh, but it's so good to be with you guys again. And and uh, I was looking at that picture there. I was thinking, man, they had to uh, had to really work to find that picture. That was uh, Jack and I had the opportunity last year in India to go to the Taj Mahal. And then we had, went to a town called uh, Accra and that's a big fort that's there. And, and here's some of the history of, uh, of India. And so that's why Jack and I were together there. But, uh, been quite a year for me. Uh, I told Larry, normally when I come, I share some kind of a PowerPoint. Um, they sang about me years ago that says I've been everywhere. Um, and then I, I'm, I'm writing a book that says I've been almost everywhere. But this year's been, I've been nowhere. Um, uh, it, you know, everything is just shut down. And I went to, I took a team to Israel in January. And then I went to Cuba in February. I was supposed to be in the Philippines in April. I was supposed to be in Cuba in May. I was supposed to be in India in July. I was supposed to be back in Cuba in August. I was supposed to be in Cambodia in October. I was supposed to be in India I mean, uh, in Kenya in November, preaching two um, graduation classes, and I can't go any of those places. They won't let me buy a ticket. If I could buy a ticket, I would try to sneak in, but they won't even let me buy a ticket. And so it's been quite an unusual year, but the Lord has continued to help us. 
while I don't have any PowerPoint, I just tell you that God's still building his kingdom. And uh, things are happening around the world. I leave this afternoon to go to an IOM board meeting uh, where we meet. We have 189 missionaries in 29 different countries that are sharing the gospel of the kingdom of God on a regular basis. And we support them. And I'm going to just tell you, the, the virus has had an impact around the world. Uh, we've had some of our pastors in India who are starving to death because they can't get anything to eat. We've bought them uh, rice and fed them in multiple cities. We have also uh, helped uh, pastors in Guatemala. I've been going to Guatemala for 15, 18 years now. And so we've been helping them to uh, eat. And then in Cuba, things are really desperate. Uh, they stand in line sometimes for three or four hours to buy a tube of toothpaste that costs $12. Uh, there is no soap. There is no shampoo. There is no food. They've shut down all the public transportation. But, you know, one of the things that God has helped us to do is in the middle of all of this, um, those that have supported our ministry and stand with us, I've been able to give over $22,000 in the last several months to be able to feed pastors and meet people in these different countries. Thank you. And, uh, the, the, you know, I'm so appreciative. Uh, you find out when you can't do what you've always done, you do something different. Uh, you don't just keep trying to do the same thing. You find a different way to do it. And so we've been able to find different ways to help and to minister. I've been on Zoom calls. I didn't know what Zoom was uh, until this year. But I am a Zoom fanatic now. I know. I got it. And uh, we Zoom and we do Messenger and we do all kind of different things. And so you, I, I just ask you to pray for us. Uh, one of the things that we're about to make a decision about is that if this, uh, if the virus continues to affect travel... We've made a decision as a board for our missionaries that this next year, that if I have to go somewhere and be quarantined for 14 days to be able to speak for four days to some of our missionaries, then that's what we're going to do. Now, that takes a little more commitment. It takes some more money. It takes all of those different, it takes a lot of things to make that happen. But we're committed to trying to minister to our missionaries because they are giving their lives and sowing into places that are so difficult in so many ways around the world. So I just ask you to pray for us. Uh, Larry mentioned you can go to our website and find out uh, some of the places, uh, you know, that we travel and that we minister at. And and so we uh, we just ask you to cov- covenant with us uh, as we are about the Father's business and doing the work and the will of God. Amen. Well, it's so good to be with Larry and Ann, and and I love, you know, I was telling, saying to Ann a while ago, I got some of the greatest friends in all the world. I am so thankful for the relationships. And this morning I was surprised as come walking across the parking lot as Earl and Jill Wright, and uh, they're sitting right here next to the front. They uh, live in Eustace, Florida, down near Sorrento. He pastored for uh, over 30 years, and and uh, last year uh, decided that it was time to uh, retire somewhat, uh, at least retire from that aspect. And so now they're traveling a little bit, and Earl and Jill have been such great friends of mine. And, and uh, we get together every year, uh, Earl and I and several others, and fast and pray at the beginning of the year for God's will and purpose uh, for us during the year. And so I'm just thankful. I was telling you, last year we had some other friends from Cookville uh, come and see us while we were here. So always thankful for those that come and gather with us and and uh, just share these things of life together. We appreciate you also. Uh, I've had several people ask us. We, uh, we got hit by the hurricane a little bit. My daughter, my youngest daughter and her husband had a tree fall on their house. They're living in it, but it's uh, it's kind of iffy uh, with everything. They got tarps and things hanging off. Uh, and then uh, our house had some shingles blow off, and we're going to have to redo our roof. Uh, but our whole area in Foley, where Rick Sink uh, is, a lot of that was just devastated. And so uh, there's been just a lot of things. We were also, uh, of course, some of y'all know, of course, William Curry at Overland. All we, the Lord helped us to. I, I love connections. I had a guy from Arizona call me just because of stuff I do. And he said, I got a truckload of clothes and, and things to give. He, do you know anybody in Louisiana that needs some help? Yes, I do. 
And so I sent them to Overland and they distributed a bunch of things. And then I was in Kentucky and had a group of people from a church I preached at go down and work for two or three days. Nate kind of helped them lead them and with chainsaws and cutting. So, and I didn't even go. Isn't that good? <laughs> it really was good <laughs> that I could do that anymore, but it was, uh, yeah, God, God just helps us, uh, to connect people and to connect things. I had a friend one time tell me, he said, Ron, he said, one of my buddies asked me, he said, what does Ron do? And he said, well, I don't know exactly how to tell you that. <laughs> said, he's a connector. And I thought, I haven't read that in the scripture yet, Larry, but, but I, I, I accept that. I believe I'm a connector. I help connect some things together. And I'm glad God connected me with Abundant Life Church and Larry and Ann Granger and so glad for those relationships that God has given to us. And again, we just ask you, to pray for us, uh, not only did the international um, side, you know, shut down, but because of streaming live and, you know, all the different things, uh, a lot of our, our our ministry has just kind of changed over the last uh, year. Uh, I've got this today. I'm speaking next Sunday for Dwayne Higgison. And, uh, and then I'm off in December and January. Uh, and so things are just kind of different these days, but the Lord is good. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you know, one of the things that the virus has caused us to do is pray. Somebody sent me, I get stuff all the time in emails. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure these are good prayers necessarily, but they're, they're prayers that people are praying. Lord, help me to relax about insignificant details beginning tomorrow at 7.41.23 a.m. <laughs> That's specific, yeah. <laughs> Lord, help me to consider people's feelings, even if most of them are hypersensitive. <laughs> God, help me to take responsibility for my own actions, even though they're usually not my fault. God, help me not to try to run everything, but if you need some help, please feel free to ask me. Lord, help me to do more, be more laid back and help me to do it exactly right. God, help me to take things more seriously, especially laughter, parties, and dancing. Okay. And I like this one. God, give me patience. And I mean now. You know, so we learned to pray. I'm not sure we're praying correctly, but we're praying nevertheless. All right. Turn in your Bibles today to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 and 19. Matthew 16, verse 18 and 19, a familiar portion of scripture. And uh, I've used this scripture hundreds of times. I don't know that I've ever used it as my text to actually start the message from. But it says, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for accomplishing your purpose in our life. Thank you, God, Lord, that today, Lord, we believe that you've gathered us together, Lord, for purpose. And, Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to share with friends and people that I care about and love, God, and pray for, and I know that pray for us as well. And so I thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here. I ask you, Lord, to give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. And we honor you and give you all praise and all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I got good news for you. It doesn't matter what things are coming or going. The church is alive, triumphant, and well. The church is not deteriorating. The church is not upside down. The church is not failing. The church is not sideways. The church is still being built by Jesus Christ. And he said that nothing will prevail against it. I believe that in this day, regard we walk by faith and not by sight. We're not just looking at numbers, situation. But I believe that we are a church that is a conduit of the kingdom. We are a church to help build the kingdom of God. Now this church understands the kingdom of God. The church is not the kingdom. The church points the way to the kingdom. The church helps to understand the kingdom. The church is the vehicle by which the kingdom of God motivates and moves through society. 
And so the kingdom of God is bigger than just the things that we see or the things that we think about or the things that we talk about. And so the kingdom of God has been declared all throughout the word. The kingdom of God is as great as God, as infinite as eternity, as vast as space. But yet we can still miss the kingdom of God. We can row right by it. In John chapter 3, he said we must be born again so that we can see the kingdom of God. When we're born again, we should be able to see it, but sometimes we're really not looking for it. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Christ. It's him being king by his power and position. The kingdom of God is his will. It's not our will. It's his order. It's not our chaos. I believe it's his righteousness. It's not our wickedness. It's his peace. It's not our anxiety. It's his joy, not our sorrow. It's his faith and not our doubt. It's his health, not our sickness. It's his provision, not our poverty. It's his blessing instead of our cursing. And the Bible says it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the kingdom of God is alive and well. And the church today, I believe, is accomplishing the plan and purpose of God in the world. No matter what we see, I got good news for you today. While we're sitting here this morning... According to statistics, over 286,000 people today will name the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and King of their life around the world. People are coming to the Lord. Muslims are coming to the Lord in massive numbers around the world. Lives are changing. Nations are changing around us. The gospel is is the good news, but not only of the birth and death and resurrection and return of Jesus, but it's the establishment of his kingdom in the hearts of men. I believe in the scripture in Matthew, I believe that there's a, it, it tells us that Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And so the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, this is what the church is here, is to tell people that of his kingdom there shall be no end. We are to pray, Lord, we pray, Lord, for thy kingdom to come, thy will to be done on earth, in earth, as it is in heaven. And so the church is the vehicle that is sharing those things. Now I want to just share with you three things that I believe are characteristics of a church of the kingdom. A church of the kingdom. I believe that first of all, a church of the kingdom is a church that worships. I believe And God expects us to be worshiping people. (laughs) Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Hallelujah. I believe that God expects us. We were created to worship God. The Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to worship God and to endure him forever. No, that's not what it says. It says the chief end of man is to worship God and to enjoy him forever. (laughs) Can I just say, when was the last time you enjoyed God? Hallelujah. I enjoy the presence of God. I enjoy the benefits of God. I enjoy the blessings of the Lord. You know, I enjoy being with you. Larry and I spent time yesterday together and, and we were going to go golfing, but it was a little too cool. And so we canceled that, but we made the best of it. And we talked and we shared and we enjoyed life together. That's worship. Worship is not just singing. Worship is prostrating ourselves, prostrating ourselves before God and saying, God, you alone are worthy. You're the King of Kings and you're the Lord of Lords. I believe that we need a passion. For his presence, a desire to know him. Oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. We sang songs through the years. Oh, I want to know you more. Deep within my heart, I want to know you. A song that was written years ago, I loved. I'm desperate for you. I believe that God wants us to be desperate for his presence, desperate for his goodness. I believe that there should be something in us that says, God, I want to worship you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, with everything that is within me. I feel like sometimes we just give tips to God. We give the leftovers. We kind of give him, you know, like, you know, God, here I am. I gave you something. I raised my hand, you know, be happy. You know, 
That, that should not be the way that it flows. Listen, I want to give my best to God. I want to give everything that I have to Him and say, God, my heart, my life, my soul, my strength, everything, I want to give it to you. I want to lay it down at your feet. I don't believe that we're here to entertain the flesh. I know it's not a popular thing. Nobody puts it on their uh, refrigerator anymore. You know, Paul said that I might die daily. There's something about crucifying the flesh. Boy, that just, that doesn't go over well in today's society. We don't want to crucify the flesh, but I believe that God expects us. The real need of people is not to feel good about themselves. That's a mentality today that has gone into the church that we come because we want to feel good. Listen, I believe that what God is wanting is to have an encounter with God. I loved it when, uh, you know, when God puts something on your heart, there's several things today. Don sang a song and then Larry was up here talking about an encounter with God. I said, he's about to preach my message. I believe that God wants us to have an encounter with God and his word that leaves us completely undone, ready to be converted to Christ and his righteousness and the power of his resurrection. My mama gave me a Bible when I was about five or six years old. The church had given me one, you know, when I was dedicated to God uh, in the church. But she gave me a Bible and she put in the front pages the scripture of Galatians 2.20. And it became a life verse for me. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I believe there's something about me. It became a verse that said, I want to live my life crucified before Christ. I want to live my life in such a way that God receives the glory, that God receives the benefit, that Paul said, my life is not my own. I've been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe that God expects us to be in a place. Let me just ask you a question. Do you remember when you came to the Lord and you gave everything to God? Well, maybe, do you, do you remember yesterday? Maybe, let me, some of you are a little older there, but do you, but do you remember way back when, when you gave everything to God? You know, we used to sing, I surrender all. Uh, it's been changed in some churches to I surrender some. But the reality is I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. Everything I have, everything I am, everything I'm not, everything I hope to be, I give it all to you, God. My life is yours, Lord, to do with as you want me to do. Listen, I believe that God expects that. You say, well, that's good for you, Ron, because, you know, you do mission work. And you... Listen, it's for everybody. I believe every one of us, God has that expectation that we need to be completely undone. There's a fact today that the spiritual values of our age have infiltrated the church. We have allowed the church today to become a reflection of society rather than a change agent in society. We're not to look like the world. I'm not just talking about, you know, the old thing of, you know, we don't smoke and we don't chew and we don't run around with people that do. I'm like, listen, we got to get way beyond that. I believe that what God is looking for is for us to be change agents in our society to say to the world, there's something better than what you have. There's something better than where you're going. There's something different that God has for you in your life. I'm telling you, there's more to life than this world that we live in. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. There's something that the Lord is preparing. That's not just a mansion. That's a position. Ooh, that just felt good to say that. It's not just a mansion, it's a position. When he said, I go to prepare a place for you, there's a position in Christ. I talked to the men about having an assignment from God on Friday night. That we're positionally placed into something that God has for us. And so I believe that we're to be a change agent. We're to worship God, a recognition of the awesomeness of God. I believe that worship will bring the manifested presence of God to our midst. People desire an encounter, not a ritual. The reason, again, that I think that sometimes the church is ineffective, and quite honestly, there are churches that are, as far as individual church groups and church 
uh, meetings, they've shut down not only because of the virus, they've just shut down because they have no effect on society. And people stopped coming and people stopped participating. But I believe that we, when we do what God wants us to do, we bring about the manifested presence of God. I'm going to tell you what I've been praying for. Y'all know anybody that this group that knows because I've been coming for all these years. I'm a little radical, just uh, just a smidge, not not terribly, but a little. I've been praying for the cloud of glory to return again to the house of God. I, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, at 65, I've hit a spot in my life. I just don't want normal. I don't, I don't want, I, I've had bits and pieces in my life of over the years. I've, I've seen the cloud of glory. I've seen a few angels. I've encountered the manifested presence of God. And I will tell you, I like it. I like it. And I like, <laughs> I want some more of it. <laughs> I, I, I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to touch something. That is beyond human uh, ability. I want to touch something that you can't just make happen by yourself. I want God to show up in such a way that says that people walk out of there saying that was God. <laughs> Are y'all with me? You know, I want people to walk out kind of in that like, ooh. Huh, did y'all see that? <laughs> did y'all sense that? Did y'all feel that? Did you? It's not just about the feeling, but it's about the knowing. I want for a manifestation of God to transcend what we've just been doing as church as usual. I don't want to have that continually on in my life. It's impossible to worship God and stay discouraged. I believe that worship gives us victory over our enemies. We know the story in Second Chronicles 20. Jehoshaphat was going out against the enemy. And the God told him, he said, I want you to put the praisers out first. And people were like, excuse me? Do what? The praisers? Those sissy people? Those people that just stand up there with musicians and... <laughs> and God said, they're not sissy people. They're people who do spiritual warfare. I got, I got news for you. The people who lead us in worship, we don't always understand the battles that they go through. You don't understand the things that they deal with. You don't understand. Let me tell you something. When I stand here and preach every, when I preach every Sunday, it, 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 it makes me nervous because God knows that I'm going to deal with it. <laughs> you understand? In other words, I have to fight my own battles because of what I'm saying to you, God expects to happen in me, okay? So there's there, there's something extra that happens. But they went out, and they went out before the armies, and they began to sing, Praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. And all of a sudden, the enemy turned on themselves and destroyed themselves, and God gave the people a great victory. Here's what the Lord told me. The place, the valley of battle became the valley of blessing. Okay, the the valley that had battles and problems and difficulties, they renamed it Barak and they named it a place of blessing. I want to tell you, the place where you're doing the greatest battle today, you need to start praising God in the midst of your difficulty and your situation. And God will turn your situation around and make your place of battle a place of blessing. And God wants you to understand that where you've had the greatest difficulty and enemy and fight, that God will wants you to inhabit that place and he wants you to dwell in that place and he wants you to occupy that place and he wants you to rule and reign in the middle of your situation. Amen. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> well, excuse me. I got excited. <laughs> the enemy wants to keep you from the place of your purpose and the best benefits that can see. We get to a place, sometimes we say, well, yeah, this is just too hard a battle. That's the place to fight. That's the place to praise. That's the place to worship. God wants you to inhabit and reign in that place of your difficulty. The reason you're facing it is because the enemy 
knows that if you occupy that place, that you're going to become a greater warrior and you're going to have greater influence than you've ever had before. He wants to keep you from that place. But if you'll start singing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever, bring it on. I'm ready for the battle. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Well, number two, that's number one. Okay, I'm doing all right. Number two, not only are we a church that worships, I believe we become a church that loves each other. Mm. Why are there so many scriptures in the Bible about unity? Well, it could be because God knew that we'd have so much trouble in this area. You know, the reality is, is one of the greatest things that we struggle with in the body of Christ is disunity. Irritations, agitations of life. The prayer of Jesus was for us to be one. In John 17, Jesus said, I pray that you may be one even as my Father and I are one. <laughs> we struggle with that, don't we? We struggle with the situations and difficulties. You know, we have hindrances to unity. Jealousy. Oh, we don't like somebody else doing something that we can't do or didn't do. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. Stubbornness. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but it was in my notes. You know, sometimes we just absent. We got, we got a spirit of stubbornness in us sometimes. Envy, pride, rebellion, suspicion. My goodness. I mean, a lot of people look for spiritual gifts, but I know one they've got, the spirit of suspicion. You know? They're always saying, well, I wonder what they think. I wonder what he means by that. I wonder what they're doing. Over. I wonder why they did that. And that suspicion keeps us from building the relationships that God wants us to build in our lives. We need to get over that and find the unity that God gives to us because two are better than one and a threefold cord is not easily broken. I believe that God wants us to understand that we need to do what God has called us to do, not be cynics. To, to, to do the things, to, to look at situations and be cynical about what's going on. But to say, God, I believe in your people. I believe you're doing things beyond what I see. My trust is on the Lord, but I also trust you. I trust that God is working through you. Even if I don't understand it, God, I got news for you. God didn't put me on all the committees. He didn't put me on all the committees to oversee everything. He told me it was a full-time job just taking care of me. And the truth is that sometimes we don't do good with just us. I know y'all have all heard this story before, but I love it. About the guy that was found on the island and and uh, he'd been shipwrecked there and alone for all these years. And they finally found him one day and he had three houses on the island. And, and so they said, well, what's this house? I said, well, that's where I live. And they said, well, what's this house? He said, well, that's my church. They said, well, what's that building? He said, that's the church I used to go to. You know, people get sideways. I, I pastored for 10 years. One lady came up to me one time. You know, when you preach, you, you can, you can make people mad, not even know that you made them mad, you know? And all of a sudden she comes up to me and she says, I'm leaving the church. I said, why? She said, you know, I said, I don't know. She said, you know, I said, I don't know. She said, you know, and she left the church. I still don't know. I, I have no idea. I mean, people just get something in their mind and their crawl and they, they separate themselves. And here's what I'm going to tell you. There's a spirit of divorce in the church today. It's not just divorce among husbands and wives. It's divorce. When the Bible says, and we use this in ceremonies, marriage ceremonies all the time. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. That was not intended for marriages. We use it, it's okay. But that's not what it was written for. What God is saying is when he joins us together, don't let anybody get in the way. And when the enemy is trying to work, he's put a spirit of divorce. And a lot of times, I want to tell you, the enemy causes us to separate from the very people that God has put us with for the purpose of building his kingdom. 
But we let some little insignificant something get between us and separate us and divorce from one another. And God and the enemy wins the battle because he keeps us from the productivity that comes from the relationship that God has ordained. And if we could get that into our spirit, listen, I... I'm so thankful for those relationships that God has given to me. But I'm going to tell you something. You find out that the enemy is always trying to sow a seed of discord. That's it. I'm telling you. People that you love the most, sometimes, you know, something will happen. And like, well, you know, why? And you'll be sitting in your office and say, why did they do that? Well, I, they shouldn't have done that. And then it goes to, I don't like that they did that. Well, I'm not going to be around them anymore if they're going to do that. Okay, and then all of a sudden you realize you've done that. They don't again. They don't even know what they did. But we divorce each other in the body of Christ, and we separate from each other. And God and the enemy keeps us from accomplishing the purpose and plan of God. The enemy wants us to be divided. Judgmentalism and intolerance is keeping the church from our destiny. We're seeing it today, and all the political aspect and all the things about virus and everything. I mean, there's so many things. That the enemy is trying to divide us. But I declare to you, I believe what God has joined together. Let no man put asunder. Let God keep us. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. But let the world know that we are one. And the Bible says that if you say you love God and hate your brother, he says you're a liar. Woo! Boy, that don't, that don't get on your refrigerator either. We'd just rather go all day and not deal with that. I mean, that's pretty stiff. I mean, that, that, there ain't no, there ain't no playing around with that. He said, if you say you love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. You can't do it. And anything that you're doing beyond that is fake and false and irrelevant. And God wants us to move to a place where we move into a realm of saying, God, I love my brother. I'm working for my brother. I'm going to help my brother. I want my brothers to succeed. I want them to be the very best that they can be. I want us to be together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Third thing. I believe we need to be a church filled with the Spirit. Mm. From the beginning to the end of Scripture, the Holy Spirit is involved. He's mentioned more than 90 times in the Old Testament, at least 18 different titles in the New Testament. He's mentioned 260 times with 39 different names and titles. Only 2nd and 3rd John have no reference to the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, I want to tell you, He's not an it. He's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's not an influence. A lot of people consider the spirit and personal influence, power, energy, but he has a personality. It is contrary to scripture to believe that he's an it and it will hinder worship. You can't, it's hard to worship an it. Okay. He wants us to worship him, to have reverence for him. You can't have a relationship with an it and God wants us to have a relationship. He's the person he's revealed with personal pronouns. He said, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has a mind, a will. He has emotions. He has titles. He performs personal acts. He works. He searches. He speaks. He testifies. He teaches. He reproves. He makes intercession, leads, guides, convicts, and imparts spiritual gifts. He does all of that. And so we need to know the power of the Holy Spirit. He's omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. He's invo- he was involved in creation in Genesis chapter 1. He has a ministry that is in and through believers. He empowers us to be witnesses. He's our companion. He cultivates in us the fruit of a godly life. He brings us gifts and and tools to effectively do the will of God. He guides us into truth. He's our seal or guarantee that we belong to God. He deepens and, and assists our prayer life. He glorifies Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe we need an anointing of the Holy Spirit. I believe it's the anointing that sets us apart. I believe it's the signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit that causes people around us to say, God is with you. And one of the things that's missing today is that sometimes we're so timid and so many times we're so withdrawn 
that we're missing the fact. I want people to say this is that. I want them to say this is what the Lord has promised. I want people to say there's something different about you. I see the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you and accomplishing something. I want people to say there's still a God in this nation that's working through the people of God and changing lives around us. We must not be afraid of the supernatural. (laughs) We're people of faith, not fear. Some people are afraid of losing control. I got news for you. We ain't never had control. Just because you thought you was in control doesn't mean you was in control. That was, you, you just thought something. It was wrong, but you thought it anyway. Some fear emotions. Emotions are essential for life. Listen, we don't all have to act the same way. We don't have to do the same thing. You know, I, I, I talk loud. When I was in first grade, my teacher wrote on there, Ron's a good kid, but he just talks loud. I talk, that was before I was a preacher. I just talk loud. It's, Sharon gets on to me all the time. She says, you're so loud on the phone. I said, I'm sorry. I just, God built me a, a, a megaphone. In my, I mean, when I whisper, I still talk loud. <laughs> and the reality, you don't have to do that to be what God wants you to be. But I want to tell you something. God never expected us to be unemotional people just... My mama used to call them knots on a log. You know, some people just... I'm like, get with, do something. I mean, God would be thrilled if you did something, even if it was wrong, just to see you do something. I mean, just get it, get, do something. Let God stir you. Let God stir your hearts. <laughs> Some people fear, well, if we, if we let the Holy Spirit, we'll have a lack of order. Charles Spurgeon once said, revival is a season of glorious disorder. I like that. I believe that what we need sometimes is a move of the Spirit of God that transcends our day. At our situation. I want to tell you two things about the Holy Spirit. I've preached on the Holy Spirit my whole life. I've been doing this 46 years now. And I've talked about the Holy Spirit. I even talked about him being the paraclete, which is the Greek word for comforter, one who walks along beside us. But one of his names is helper. And in my whole life and ministry, Larry, I'd never said anything about the Holy Spirit being my helper. Now, I've said, God, help me (laughs) a bunch of times because I I need a bunch of help. But then I had a revelation in the beginning of this year that the Holy Spirit, his job description is he's the helper. And all of a sudden, I began to say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to do what I need to do. Help me with my finances. Help me in my family issues. Help me in my sicknesses and my infirmities. Help me with the struggles and sin that I have. Help me deal with the sorrow of my heart. Help me, Holy Spirit, with the hurts that I've accumulated over the years of ministry and people and situations. Help me, Holy Spirit, to forgive those who have despitefully used me, who have hurt me, who have done all manner of evil against me. Help me, Holy Spirit, to overcome the situations. I need your help. I want to tell you something. He's the helper. I don't know if I can give you the revelation of what I feel like the Spirit of the Lord put in me. But I'm going to tell you, as much as I had said that over the years, I had never cried out. But I'm telling you, if you will ask the Holy Spirit to... Let me just ask you this. Does anybody in this room need any help? Okay, well, there's a... (laughs) All you that are online, yeah, I see those hands too. I see you. (laughs) I'm needy. I got, I got, I got things going on. I'm dealing with stuff. There's always things going on, but I found out, and I should have known it as many times I've read the scripture, but I just kind of, I just say that in a, a long line of other things. You know, 
He's the Holy Spirit is with us. He's our helper. He, uh, you know, but I never stopped at helper. But I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is my helper. Would you just say that with me? The Holy Spirit is my helper. Say it again. The Holy Spirit is my helper. I want you to get that inside of you and I want you to start crying out for the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to help you in the things that are going on around us. He is, that's His job. He is the helper. And if you'll look at that, God will start moving something in your life. He'll start doing things in you that you need Him to do. And then I want to say that I believe... That one of the things that we're desperate for in the church today is to be led by the Spirit. The Bible says we're either going to be led by the flesh or we're going to be led by the Spirit. Now, I'm just going to help some of you because I know some of y'all are real spiritual people. But being led by the flesh doesn't get you anywhere. Y'all just trust me on that. (laughs) I won't say it's personal knowledge. Well, yeah, a little bit. But I'd rather be led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit brings us into productivity. Being led by the Spirit brings us into fruitfulness. Being led by the Spirit brings us into the dimension that God has for us if we trust Him for those things. And so I believe that we need to be led by the Spirit. And I want to just tell you three quick stories, okay? I um, I pastored for 10 years. And uh, I had just gotten to the church in South Carolina and... Uh, there were when I took the church in 1985. There were 35 people there, and uh, I didn't realize it, but there was uh, three sisters who kind of controlled everything in the church, and I didn't realize all of those things. And so I had preached for a month or two, and uh, I uh, had left the church on Sunday night because we had Sunday night meeting, we had Sunday morning, Sunday night church, and and so I left Sunday night church, and I. Uh, had turned off all the lights because in those days, I mean, the pastor did everything. You you opened up, you closed, you did <laughs> you did all the stuff. <laughs> and so, so I uh, I went I I went home and Sharon had already uh, gotten ready for bed and I um, uh, started getting ready ready to lay down and it was it was by this time it's eleven o'clock at night and and uh, the Holy Spirit said to me. They're having a meeting over at so-and-so's house to get rid of you as the pastor. Was that you, Lord? (laughs) Yep. He said, you need to go over there. I said, okay. So I had already laid down in bed. I got up and started dressing. Sharon roused up. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting ready. I'm going over to so-and-so's house. I said, they're having a meeting to get rid of me. She said, how do you know that? I said, the Holy Spirit just told me. She says, okay. <laughs> so I drove, so I, I drove over to the house and there was several cars there. It's midnight now. Okay. And so I go over there. There's several cars there and I, I ring the doorbell and one of the men comes to the church. He says, well, hello, pastor. He says, what are you doing here? I said, the Holy Spirit told me to come. I said, what are you doing here? (laughs) He says, well, we're just having some fellowship. I said, no, you're not. I said, you're meeting trying to get rid of me. He said, no. I said, don't lie. (laughs) Remember, Ananias is a fire. That that don't do good. I said, and I walked in and I told them, and they said, how do do you know? I said, the Holy Spirit told me. I said, I'm telling you right now. I said, I'm going to be here until the Holy Spirit tells me to leave. And I said, you better not get in the way of it. Well, they never had another meeting. <laughs> it's amazing what the fear of God can do. <laughs> when I was prior to going to the church, I had an opportunity to go to Hong Kong. And I was traveling with a friend of mine, and he came into the hotel room. We were real excited. He said, Ron, he said, the, the travel agency that I work, they're having a special deal that said, you can buy a Sea America pass and you can go to 12 cities in the United States for one price and said, but you got to buy it, you know? And so I went down there and I was going to buy a ticket. I thought it was like a coupon book, you know, and, and said, oh no, you said, you got to name the cities that you want to go to and the dates that you want to go to. I said, hmm, that's a little more 
difficult. So I went back to the hotel room and I prayed. I said, God, do you want me to do this? And the Holy Spirit said, yes. And he, and, and I sat down. And by the way, I just actually found this piece of paper there. I'd kept it in my files and I've still got that piece of paper that I wrote on at that hotel in Hong Kong in 1984. Okay. And I wrote down 12 cities that I had never preached in before and dates beside it and went down and bought the Sea America Pass for those dates on the airline. Okay. So I go back to the hotel. I go back to the United States. And I'm saying, God, I don't know how I hope this all works out. And the phone rang. And it was one of the pastors, a pastor in a city that was on my list. And he had heard about me through somebody and said, we heard about you and we'd like to have you come and preach at our church. He said, do you have any open dates? And so I looked down at my list and I said, well, I could come this date. He said, that'll work great. I said, whoo, thank you, Lord. One down. <laughs> Well, I'm going to just tell you, out of that list, 10 of the 12, 10 pastors called me and asked me to come preach for them. I missed it on two, or actually, my personal opinion is they missed it. I'm going to put it on them. But 10 out of 12 ain't bad, okay? Out of that, I wound up going to Haiti and planning a missionary. And out of that, it actually led me to pastor the church in South Carolina. And I believe obedience to the voice of the Spirit of God will help us. And I want to tell you something. You don't have to be spooky and you don't have to be wacko and you don't have to be weird. But I want to tell you something. We need to be people who are led by the Spirit. We need to be people who trust in the Spirit of God. I believe in this day, listen to me, all the things that are before us, it doesn't matter what everybody else does. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God to do what He wants me to do. And that doesn't matter who's in charge, who's president, what's going on, what's taking place. I serve the kingdom of God. And I believe that when we do that, we are led by the Spirit of God. Last story. I know a man got a great story. He was preaching at a very large uh, youth gathering. And right in the middle of it, he looks out there and there's a young lady that's got her head buried in her head, hands. And the Holy Spirit said to him, said, I want you to go talk to her. <laughs> and of course, my friend, the preacher said, Lord, I know you probably know this, but I'm actually right in the middle of a sermon. I'm talking to these people. It's amazing what you can do while you're talking. You're still having this conversation with the Lord. And the Lord says, I know what you're doing. said, but I still want you to go talk to her. Well, Lord, couldn't I do it after the meeting? No, I want you to do it right now. And so he told, stopped everything, said, I'm done for a minute. Y'all just give me a minute. And he walked out to this young lady. And as he got to her, the Lord told him what to do. He said he pulled out a $20 bill. And he said, he said, how much is this $20 bill worth? She said $20. So he took it and he rolled it up in his hand into a little ball and then undid it all wrinkled up. He said, well, how much is it worth now? She said, well, it's worth $20. So he took it and rolled it up and then put it on the ground and stomped it and put some dirt on it and mashed it. And now it's all nasty. And he said, well, how much is it worth now? She said, it's worth $20. And he gave, he took his pen out and he wrote three words on that $20 bill. He wrote value, worth, and dignity. And he said, the Lord wants me to tell you that regardless of what has happened to you, your value and your worth and your dignity has not changed. And she gave, and he gave her the $20 bill. He walked up and finished his message. About 15 years passed, and now he's up in Pennsylvania, up near Pittsburgh, and this time he's preaching at a conference, and all of a sudden, this very dignified lady with high heels and decked out to the nines walks up to him, and she says, I'm so glad I get to see you. She says, do you remember me? <laughs> he said, no, ma'am, I, I don't know that I recognize you, and she reached in her purse and pulled out the $20 bill. And she said, it changed my life. And she says, now I'm the head of pediatrics at one of the largest hospitals in the Northeast. 
And she said, it's all because it changed my life that I realized that my value and my worth and my dignity had not changed because of my situation. Can I just tell you that being led by the Spirit will produce greater benefits than all of your own thinking and all of your own purpose and all of your own desires than anything else in the world. Trust the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding and let Him direct your path. And let God help you to understand that I believe that if we're going to be a church that accomplishes the purpose of being a church of the kingdom, a church that is a conduit of kingdom life, I believe that we need to be a church that worships. By the way, don't wait. I didn't say this. I appreciate the worship team. I've always loved this team so much. I love Don. I love all this group up here. But I'm going to tell you something. You should be worshiping before you ever get here. You know, there, there should already be something in your heart to do that. And so be a church that worships. Be a church that's committed to one another. I don't know how harder I can express it, but don't let the enemy cause you to divorce the people that God has placed you with. I believe that just like with our spouse, I believe it's a covenant relationship for life. I believe that so is the relationships that God gives us and friendships and the purposes of the kingdom of God. And then I want to encourage you to be led by the Spirit. I want to encourage you today, Holy Spirit, first of all, help me because <laughs> I need a lot of help and lead me. I'm asking God to lead me by the Spirit of God. Can I give you a, a little, I didn't say this earlier, but just give you a quick testimony. See, when you're led by the Spirit of God, I've had, I had some friends that quite honestly, during all of this process, that travel like I do and do the things I do. And some of them said, Ron, we're just, man, our finances went to nothing. We, nobody, and they said, what are you doing? I said, same thing I've always done. I said, because none of my finances changed at all. I said, I have relationships. And I said, the churches and people that support me, they don't support me because I perform. They support me because God has joined us together and we're in a relationship. Another side quick note, just because y'all family, Mike McCarty, who is the director of IOM, he'd been asking for God to give, he wanted me to take a sabbatical. A lot of preachers today and young preachers coming up, it's kind of a big deal now among little groups. Well, you need to take a sabbatical every seven years. And one of the guys asked me, he said, Ron, when, when, when was your last sabbatical? I said, sabbatical? <laughs> I said, I've never taken a sabbatical in 46 years. And now we've laughed because Mike's been pushing it so hard. I said, Mike, you didn't have to pray for a virus to attack the world to give me a sabbatical. <laughs> that was a little strong, Mike. <laughs> you could have, you could have just, you needed to be more specific in your prayers. But I just want to tell you, God's been faithful to me during all of this process because my life, my ministry, Everything that I do is built around the relationships that God has given to me. And I believe that when you do that, God takes care of you and the Holy Spirit helps you to be what you need to be and do what you need to be. Would you stand? Well, I know that we're operating on some social distancing today, so I'm going to be mindful of that. But can I, you, you already raised your hand, a bunch of you did. Some of you wasn't sure whether to raise your hand or not because you wasn't sure if I'd call on you. Or, but I believe we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Help with our family. Help with our job. Help with our circumstances. But the Holy Spirit is the helper. And so I'm going to ask today for the Holy Spirit to help us. And then I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna take a real leap of faith. And right there where you are, how many of you know that God knows exactly where you are right now? Okay? He, it's no, no surprise to Him. He knows what seat you're sitting at. I mean, if He knows the hairs of your head, He knows where you're sitting. Okay? So, here's what I'm telling you. 
The Holy Spirit knows if you're sincere about what I'm about to say. Holy Spirit, not only do I want you to help me, but Holy Spirit, I want you to lead me. I want you to lead me in the days ahead. I want you to lead me to the people I need to talk to, to the things I need to do, to the circus, to, to the ministry, whatever. But don't say that unless you mean it because he's going to work at it. And then what you don't want to do is tell him no. It's not, <laughs> there used to be a commercial that said it's not good to tell Mother Nature no. Listen, it's not good to tell the Holy Spirit no. Okay. And so I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for these things that I've said to you today. I've said a long time over these last number of years, I feel like the Lord has helped me to preach more prophetically. It's not just about coming to the altar. You know, I appreciate that. And great day. Y'all know I love, I'll lay hands on people. You know, <laughs> I love it. And so I miss some of that. But what I'm telling you is, is I believe that what God wants to do is make us the people, the church of his kingdom right now, represent that the world would see that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he's doing what he said he would do, and that of his kingdom there would be no end. So, Father, I pray for this house. I pray for this people. I bless them and encourage them today. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, that you would help, Lord, us to be worshipers. Help us, Lord, to stop waiting for the right time and the right situation. But, Lord, just to say... I worship you in spirit and in truth. And God, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us, Lord, to build and to bring reconciliation and forgiveness. God, I pray, Lord, even though I didn't really talk about it that much, help us, Lord, to forgive others and help us to ask for forgiveness. Lord, not to be so hard, hard-hearted and stiff-necked, God, but to say, God, Forgive me. I know I messed up on some things. I know I said some things I shouldn't have said. God, help me to ask for forgiveness and help me to give forgiveness. And Lord, I pray, Lord, today that we would be helped by your Holy Spirit. Many in this house raised their hand and said they need that help. I'm asking, Lord, for revelation of your help. And I'm asking, God, Lord, that you would lead us. Lord, lead us into where you want us to be. Lead us in the days ahead, God. We need the leadership of your Holy Spirit. We honor you and we praise you and thank you, God. Lord, today, that, Lord, that you said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, Lord, to that end, Lord, we are not afraid. And, Lord, we are are not giving in. Lord, to the mandates that the world would try to say that somehow or another that the church is no longer relevant. For, Lord, I believe we're more relevant today than we've ever been. Amen. We're the people of God, as Don saying, yes. called by your name, yes. called out of darkness, delivered from shame. We're one holy nation, a people set apart, Lord, for your kingdom and for your purposes. Lord, here we are, your people ready to be made into your church, Lord, and be a be, be everything that you want us to be. We offer ourselves unto you, living sacrifices. God, have your way in us. We honor you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And let the church say once again, amen. amen. You can be seated for a moment. Thank you, Ron. Yeah, grab, I was going to grab one of those waters. In Genesis, I was thinking about this when he was, when he was, uh, speaking. In Genesis, the Lord said, the Bible says the Holy Spirit was hovering, or in some versions, brooding over the waters. And the Bible says the Father would say, let there be light. And the Holy Spirit would go create light. And let there be the heavens. And the Holy Spirit would go create the heavens. And, and he was the agent of God's word. And as God would speak his word, the Holy Spirit would do what he does. And I want to declare to you today, you Abundant Life Church, all of us here, all of those watching online, and those who aren't able to be with us and who will watch this later on, that you have you have the word of God, the anointed word of God, the anointed now word of God has been released into our congregation and over our congregation today.
And that's not just words. It was words, all right. But even more than words, Abundant Life Church has received the word, the creative word, the creative word of God. And I believe that much like the Holy Spirit responded to God's word in creation, I believe the Holy Spirit is already responding to the word of God that was proclaimed today. I'm not saying Ron's God. Don't get, don't, don't twist that. But he spoke and preached the word of God. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit honors that. So you can watch for God to operate in your life in these areas that he's addressed. And I pray that we as a local church can, can, uh, be all of those things, a, a worshiping church, a loving church, and a church led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, in, in, in whatever God has for us in the days ahead, it is, it's different times. I got a sneaking suspicion these different times are not about to go away anytime soon. So we might as well adjust to whatever God has in front of us. Amen.